Before we start today's episode, we just want to say that our thoughts and prayers are with everybody who has been impacted by the flood damage in eastern Kentucky. If you want to be a part of helping those who have been impacted, Governor Brashear has set up a website for donations. You can Google Team Eastern Kentucky Flood Relief Fund or go to Kentucky.gov for more information. back everybody the friends in the corner podcast being welcome back with the og of friends in the corner podcast i think this is like his what well, i was gonna say 100th episode but we haven't done 100 yet but at least a third of the episodes have been with mr max oh my god me what's up brother going on man i mean i think at this point i think i've earned the free sunday on this punch card of being on the show so much <laughs> Uh, we don't have those. You have to go talk to uh, Round of Shots or Bourbon <laughs> Life for those, man. So, yeah, yeah. We 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 the bu- I'll show you the budget after here, man. The the uh, uh, Excel sheet's pretty uh, sad. Man, inflation's hitting all of us. <laughs> well, Max, happy to have you on, brother. And we we bring you on a lot to talk about football for obvious reasons. Um, but it's always fun to have you on. And before we start jumping into the UK football season, man, tell us, man, what's been new with you since we last talked? Uh, man, just trying to just keep dabbling my way through high school football and college football and and tweeting and just doing just dad stuff. It's just been, uh, what is it, um, uh, White Dad Summer for us over here. It's just been rocking the – I don't rock new bounces. I rock an awesome pair of Walker uh, – what, what are they? Brooks Walker Addiction. Really? White tennies. Man, they're, they're, I, they're, they're pretty nice. I, wa- I rock new bounces, dude. Just I would – I mean – Dude, I just didn't realize back in the day, New Balances were a whole lot cheaper. And now that they've turned into this fad and they've made this comeback, they're like, oh, yeah, we're jacking the prices on these white shoes now. Oh, 100%. We went shoe shopping the other day, and I was like, I'm going to get New Balances because they're about like 20 bucks cheaper than like Nikes or Adidas. And there were some pairs of Adidas that were cheaper than than, uh the new balance is like, what the heck happened here? New balance is like, I know what I got. You you want to uh, do these memes, man? You want to do these little TikTok videos with them? No, you're gonna pay. You're gonna to, pay your way. They need to get some NIL deals for some dad dad bod looking uh, players in the college yeah. football realms. <laughs> if you are, if you, if NIL existed, would you, would you have taken a uh, when you were playing? Would you have taken that deal for new balance? Oh, absolutely. I don't know, I don't know if you he, could because of Nike, but dude, I, I'll tell you this. I was in in the world of NIL, I'm still to this day, like I've never claimed to be a good person. I'm a sellout as soon as soon as you can get them. I always hated Nike. All of a sudden, oh wait, I'm getting 25 pairs of Nike shoes. Of course I love Nike. Nike's the greatest thing ever. Man, I absolutely <laughs> hate hate raising canes oh wait i'm getting raising canes i love raising canes raising canes the best thing possible dude i hate papa john pizza oh i'm getting a free papa john's pizza after each game yes i love papa john's pizza papa john's pizza is the best sell out max gobby man so. yeah 
<laughs> well, if there was for a while you were uh, working for uh, Pepsi and you're like, man, Pepsi just a superior product to Coke, man. Yeah. <laughs> well, I, 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 I pay attention who writes my checks, dude. Whoever mm-hmm. puts a signature on their check, that's who I'm loyal to. Got to root for your paycheck, man. So, <laughs> so man, and I, I know you have season tickets to UK. You're very passionate about tailgates. You got any good uh, tailgating plans for this season? Well, I'm still going to do my Gator, um, but that's going to be an away game. So I'm st- still got the Gator. I got the Gator ordered uh, with some Gator sausage and all that. I've already got that ordered. Mississippi and Mississippi State. Usually for Mississippi State, I've been doing um, – I've been doing bologna sandwiches, doing fried bologna sandwiches, and I'll still do that, but we've got Ole Miss this year, which kind of throws things off, so now it's like, do I do bologna sandwiches twice, or do I do like a little hotty toddy bologna sandwich for for Ole Miss, so I'm, I'm still working through that. For the home games, though, dude, I got invested into a new portable griddle. Uh, for the back of my uh, back of my truck fits perfect on my tailgate like and a George Foreman? Doing, huh like a George Foreman no no it's yeah. no no not a George Foreman I I, I actually spent uh, I spent a few bucks on uh, on this thing and it's a real it's a really nice griddle um, gonna be able to do I think I'm just gonna stick with traditional brats dogs beer in the cooler and you know, just do just your cliche tailgate, but just kind of amp it up a little bit and be a little creative with it. I'm still working through through that one. Fortunately, I've got I ain't got a lot of time on it, so it's more unfortunately I don't have a lot of time. <laughs> and is Judd going to be joining you for any uh, tailgates too? As long as they're not night games, yeah. We we took him tailgating a couple times last year, and he absolutely loved them. I mean, just sightseeing galore. Just the the a mass amount of people that are there, the atmosphere, the smells, and all that. It's, it'll be fun to watch him this year uh, during now that he can run around, throw and catch a football a little bit. I, it, it's going to be a lot more fun this year. Yeah, I'm sure it will be, man. You know, I was thinking when you were talking about grilling. Uh, were you a King of the Hill fan growing up at all? Did you ever watch King of the Hill? Yes, love King of the Hill. <laughs> The final episode of the season, like the final shot, is of Bobby and Hank uh, grilling together. Yeah, in the backyard, and I feel like that's going to be you and uh, Judd. You know, in about ten years or so, you're going to have a little grill for him to grill, and you're going to be grilling out the uh, tailgates, and going to be talking about instead of propane and propane accessories, though, it's going to be box and box accessories. Gosh dang, Dan, that's what we're definitely going to talk about. <laughs> football and football accessories so the sec and add-on of power sec teams (laughs) well man we got a lot to talk about man with college football we're going to be talking about kentucky uh the kentucky season specifically here in a little bit but before we get into that man we do want to talk about just some of the uh different things that have happened in this offseason man a lot of stuff's gone on uh, especially since we last talked, which was the NFL draft. Um, and to start things off is with conference re- realignments that have been going on this offseason. So last year, around this time last year, we got the shock and awe of hearing of Oklahoma and Texas coming to the SEC. And we thought, man, that's huge. And then seeing Big 12 having to 
jump back and take a few other teams too, like Cincinnati and UC and your uh, your favorite uh, national champions UCF. Yeah. <laughs> How's that working out from these days? Yeah, exactly. And, and then this year things have changed up even more because USC and UCLA both announced they're jumping ship to uh, <clears throat> a just as superior conference, uh, and they are going to be joining the Big Ten. And uh, it's just been one of those big things that I think got people surprised by is like, well, all these teams are now moving conferences that, you know, geographically speaking, that's out the window. Uh, There's no geography of these conferences don't matter anymore. And people are saying, well, now USC and UCLA are going here. Is Notre Dame going to go here? And then something I've kind of been, keeping an eye on too even though it's a smaller conference has been this mass exodus of teens from conference usa and kind of how the conference usa has kind of sat and crumble man so i mean we will start just some pot unpacking pandora's box here man <laughs> what are your thoughts of uh everything going on with these conference realignments and what do you think the future of uh college football is going to be is it going to be super teams is it going to be uh who knows, man? Just give me your thoughts. <laughs> I think, well, first of all, I consider me old-fashioned, but I believe that conferences should only have 12 teams in them. Like, I'm still mad that Missouri and A&M joined while I was playing. So mm-hmm. I, I'm all, I'm still not over that, really. Um, but, I mean, you look at all this alignment and you look at how much the game has transformed over the past, gosh, probably – since 2012, since the beginning of SEC Network between 2011 and 2012, and how much you're seeing money and TV money start playing into a lot of this. So the whole thing last year was NIL. It was just the money that a football player himself can be able to bring in, the revenue he can personally bring in off his name, image, and likeness. The story of the conferences is about the story of TV money. Pac-12 is a dumpster fire of a Power Five uh, Power Five conference. It's not even a Power Five conference because <laughs> when you have football on at 2 a.m. in the morning, it's competing with viewers of a 2 a.m. rerun of Everybody Loves Sheldon. That's or Young Sheldon. That's when you know you're kind of struggling with a football audience. There, get it, leave, and so it makes sense for UC, uh, USC and UCLA to move to the Big Ten. I don't know. Like you said, geography is completely taken out of the window. Texas and Oklahoma, when you've got Texas A&M or Texas willing to drop the Longhorn Network and that money, uh, that money stream to go into the SEC, that's telling you just the amount of money that they know is going to be coming in. RIP to SEC on CBS, the game at 3.30, the song I've been hearing since the like I was like four weeks old, man. And seeing that die to where it's now going back into ESPN, ABC's now getting the rights to that game at 3.30, which is nuts. It's absolutely crazy. Oh, yeah. So it's, you see the world of college football right now where it's gone, and you could say this a lot about a lot of things in our society, it's gone so accelerated, pedal to the metal so fast, so quick that it's, it's gotten too big to where, okay, how do you maneuver now? And that has always been, it's been, dude, it's been great for me the past two years of just being able to sit back 
and say, I told you so. Of every person in media, of the amount I've been ragged on about my view on paying players. Because, you, you know, I don't know anything because I play. So, of course, I... I should I should automatically say that players should be paid. I shouldn't say it's a super complex thing. You can't just pay people with the system that's set up right now. It's called dumb, called stupid. Saying I'm just I'm just speaking on behalf of the uh, university on that. And now it's happening, and everyone's like, "Oh my goodness, this is not sustainable." I'm like, "Yes, I know." The same thing with these TV contracts. Everyone talked about the tradition and stoicism of these conferences of the big 10 the stoicism of the sec uh, of the sec and the prowess of the sec but now basically the sec is just eating up every major school it can find and big 10's just going across the country to start picking off uh picking off people as well you it's so crazy to see what all this is going to happen the worlds of your ohio states Kentucky, Florida, Alabama, anyone in the Power Five, they're going to be fine. At the end of the day, they pull in enough revenue that they're going to be able to sustain yourself. It's what you said about Conference USA. It's about the HBCU schools. It's about the FCS schools. I don't think this is at all a long a path of long-term success to not only make those programs successful, uh, successful but even to be, be able to maintain them. Sure, they'll be able to get their own. They'll be able to still make money, but you look at athletic departments across the United States, and the preconceived notion that every every university makes bank in their athletic departments is just not true. Not true at all. There's probably out of the hundreds, hundreds of athletic departments in the United States: NCAA, D1, D2, D3, NAIA. Only about 30 to 50 of them actually bring in a net revenue in the black and not in the red, Yeah, which is shocking. Now, all of a sudden, if you can't pay players to be able to get them in, all of a sudden, you're not getting that TV revenue anymore because you're getting bumped so we can watch these other games. The world starts looking a little darker for these mid-majors and schools below. It's a very exciting time if you're a mid uh, if you're a mid, like Power Five fan, just very interesting to watch. But it's also a very uncertain time for these smaller schools and these smaller conferences. So, what do you do? You think this is just gonna, you know, eat its way into oblivion in a way? Like all eventually, it's just going to get too big and explode. Or what's your what do you, what do you feel? Programs going to close, or program or athletic departments going to have to cut programs? Is maybe another way to put it? Absolutely, because at the end of the day, you could say that you're for Title Nine. You could say mm-hmm. you're all for women's golf, getting every advantage possible. But we also know that people that are part of these universities, they'll get, throw a free iPad at you and then add eight thousand dollars on top of the tuition. Like right. to act, act like they actually care about students is not even not even realistic. Um, so, which would they sacrifice? They sacrifice ten student athletes getting extremely irate and furious and their dreams broken to play golf, or an extra ten million being funneled in because they uh, they joined a new uh, uh, they went and played Ohio State now. 
to be able to get get on TV more. At the end of the day, I think they're going to choose to play Ohio State. And that's the sad reality of it. I'm seeing a lot of people that are going to be collateral damage, and it's going to be student-athletes that have worked their tail off, that have had no say in this. You can make the argument, well, you should have gone out and gotten name, image, and likeness also, like this 18-year-old that 15 boosters invested $1.7 million for. At the end of the day, I don't see how it's sustainable. I don't see how it doesn't eat itself. Does it mean that it completely dismantles and there's no college football ever again? I don't think that. But there's definitely going to be an eventual reset to where everyone goes, okay, this is getting extremely out of hand and some governing body is going to have to take over. With Mark Embert and that coward in there, it's never going to happen. But something has to, something eventually is going to break the system to where it's going to have to reset itself. Yeah, it's uh, been an interesting couple of years, to say the least, of seeing all the things transpire that – I mean, I think people kind of like knew it was going in that direction. I mean, every the writing on the wall about where things were at, the feelings towards uh, student athletes, and whether or not they should be paid. I mean, there's a lot of for a lot of conversations going on. So it's uh interesting. It's interesting to be here now in the middle of it as we're trying to see how people figure it out from here. Mm-hmm. So, speaking of things trying to get figured out. Um, we're trying to figure out what's going on with Cal and Stoops right now, man. That's been another thing that's been happening this off season, man. Uh, for those who have been in the dark and don't know, while Calipari's team was in the Bahamas just a few weeks ago, Kyle Tucker, the great source he is, had, uh, broke this news and broke the internet for all Kentucky fans when he posted his interview with Cal, and Cal said... Uh, I, I forgot how it came up, but pretty much it. Uh, what it was about the practice time. facility. It was about the practice facility. Okay, and Cal said, "Well, you know, Kentucky is a basketball school. Um, I hope the team wins ten games. I hope they have a winning season. But Kentucky's a basketball school, just like Alabama's a football school, and uh, Georgia is a football school. And that didn't settle too well with Stoops and a lot of." Uh, former and current players with the Kentucky football team. Uh, Stoops had a response to Kyle Tucker's tweet. A number of players came out and a lot of fans were divided (laughs) over these tweets and everyone was wanting to hear what Mitch Barnhart was going to say. And then Mitch Barnhart came out and said what he said, say, we're not going to be a, a, we're not going to be a, what did he say? I'm sorry. He said, I'm missing the word right now. Basically the media blew it up to something that, it's it's not as big as what the media is making it out to be, and the media is prolonging it. But yeah, but where but he said we're not going to be a selfish program in a way, and it a lot of fans, a lot of media took to that, and, oh, and yeah. there's been there's been all this talk about fire Mitch Barnhart, and I'm like, <laughs> no, no, <laughs> don't do that, please, for the love of God, do not do that. <laughs> like I, I feel like this just like led, and we'll get into uh, I, we'll get into all the topics around this. But the thing that shocked me the most out of this was just this huge turn on Mitch Barnhart. They just came out of this because he said that there's no plans right now to build a new practice facility for the basketball team, and the fan base was like, "Well, we gotta get rid of this guy." The hell with the fact that we've won all these national titles under him and all these programs have thrived under him. 
He's like, he's done nothing for the for the Kentucky basketball program. I feel like I know where you're leaning in this argument. Yeah, I think I, mean, I think I, this is the biased media. It's a loaded it's I, a loaded question, Dan. Um, but no, I mean, I, I want to get your thoughts here, and obviously, I'm not saying you you lean towards one way or the other. Oh, I lean one that, way. But, I definitely well, I mean, lean. You're associated with a very particular camp in this fight, mm-hmm. so that's I, uh, you know, I do want to get your thoughts on all of this that's gone on, um, and how it's kind of been presented out. Mm-hmm. I, it still, it still shocks me. It, it really does shock me that someone that's got a forty-eight million dollar buyout, he's got a lifetime contract, and's gone the past two years. He's lost to a peacock and went nine and sixteen. That you'd be able to say, Hey, I want a new practice facility. I, to me, it looks like there's someone between stoops and, um, and Cal Perry that someone is not liking that the other one's getting a lot more attention and one's gotten a lot more success over uh, a lot more success over the years. That's what it appears like to me. And foot Alabama is a football school. You know why Alabama's a football school? They've won, was it, six national championships under Nick Saban. So from 2007 to 2022, they've won six national championships. Georgia's a football school. Well, one, because their their basketball team doesn't win in anything. anything, But they just won a national championship. They've been in the national championship twice, been the SEC championship, I think, three of the past four years, something like that. Something nuts, traditionally always winning 10, 10 to 12 games a year. Kentucky basketball, and basketball runs deep, runs deep in this state. There's no argument. There's no argument about that. But they haven't produced anything in the past few years, not since he signed that contract. And if you if you claim to be, if you claim to be the Alabama of basketball. There's times that Alabama has lost to Auburn, lost one game, or lost, oh, God forbid, they lose two games. They've called for Saban's head. They've called for him to be fired. Cal went 9-16, and 16 and no one was batting an eye over it. He loses to a Peacock, and not no one's batting an eye over it. Some were, but no one's going to challenge it because he's got a $48 million buyout. Compared to Stoops, and this is where in Stoops's, um in his presser, he makes the best point because that dude, even though he likes flashy things, that dude's Youngstown is blue collar as you could possibly find in the coaching route and the coaching ground. That dude has sacrificed. No one can truly know how much in the gutter and how far behind UK football was to the rest of the SEC. It's it's you can't even put it into words of how bad the team that I was on from 2012 to the next two years of Stoops of 13 and 14, what had to be done. You cannot put that into words. You cannot. And for him to build that, and the amount of time it took him to build it to where you're able to get two 10 win seasons in four years. Go to bowl games since 2016. All of a sudden, now a team uh, you're you're being your rival down the street and kicking their teeth in every single year. To where 
wait, now you've got winning records. Now you're considered a dark horse in the SEC East. No one else did that. No one else. That was Coach Stoops. That was his coaching staff. And that was the players he brought in. That was not a basketball influence that helped him on that. And like he said, some of us were not born on third base with a uh, with a program. All right. Well, I mean, yeah, I mean, you got to think like where the program was when he got here. It was, you know, you were two and ten seasons, uh, three and five seasons. Uh, uh, you know, we were at the bottom of the barrel of the SEC, and what he's been able to do and grow it over that time has, I think, no other program in the comp and the country has had this huge of a turnaround. I can't think of one that's come close to this big of a, a flip. So that's one thing. And in Cal, like he, he has had some success. I mean, he has won a national title 10 years ago and the Kentucky program is a, what have you done for me now type of thing? You know, hearing this stuff recently, it kind of reminded me taking a trip down memory lane, Max in 2016, when you and I started BBN chalk talk, mm-hmm. And the very first game that was played was against Kentucky versus Southern Miss, which another lost. I told you so. Yeah, that was another yeah. I told you so. Well, but and you, well, you put that article out mm-hmm. saying, "Hey, wait and see what happens here. Don't you know?" Because they were asking for Stoops' head. This you said, "Hey, wait and see what happens here," and the entire fan base pulled you over the coals. Yeah. And now look at it now, and you know the, that was the whole conversation. People were saying. Uh, about uh, this, from John Clay to Mark's to you know Matt Jones and everybody, are like, well, Kentucky basketball has done more for us lately than Kentucky football has, and that was the argument they were saying back then. Is uh, at, at oh, back then? Yeah, back yeah, then. Not now. Not now. Like- <laughs> but it's flipped now. Mm-hmm. It, the success, you know, since 2016. Kentucky football has had by now it's apples and oranges compared to some things, but had relatively, you know, from a snapshot more success than the basketball program has. And, you know, I mean, I don't keep any secrets on my pro on my show. I'm not, I'm exhausted with Cal. He, every year he talks about bringing a new, the, the number one program each year, the number one team each year, and then we wound up losing the first round to Peacock, like you said. We've only in his time here, we've gone to two national titles games and won one. We've been to I think four national four, four final fours, and only you know only advanced twice to the championship. And then that time, in the time that he's been here at Kentucky, three other coaches have won at at least national titles twice, mm-hmm. you know, Roy Williams, uh, coach K th- coach K and, uh, uh, Jay Wright from Villanova. Yep. And I, and I think about that. And then like you were comparing, it's like Bama's winning national championships all the time. And some people might say, well, basketball is a different sport. I was like, well, have you seen uh, the golden state warriors in the NBA? It's just <laughs> like, <laughs> How many tiles have they won? Right. It's like, well, yeah, it's it, like, is, it is a different thing. You need a, yeah. you need to get eleven guys. You have to get eleven elite guys onto a football field to make a difference. You have to recruit eleven players every single time. In basketball, you need one or two. 
that will just absolutely mm-hmm. take over a game. And right. UK has not been able to get that one, one and two since 2010 with John Wall and, uh, and Boogie, yeah. uh, 2012 with Anthony Davis, and that 2014 team, which, Dan, you could have been the head coach, I could have been your assistant, and we still would have gotten that team to the Final Four. We probably right. would have gone to the national championship because we probably would have said, hey, calm down and just keep doing what you're doing and yeah. just not would have interfered. And I'm I'm not saying I'm not excited about the basketball team. I hope they win. I think Shibwe is the greatest player in the country um, right now. And But, you know, I as far as things go, I mean, it's all about record and the investment and what you're putting out there. And, you know, the Kentucky basketball program just hasn't shown that. And I even scratched my head when I saw them sign a lifetime contract for Cal. I'm like... Okay, what? So we're not going to change anything, right? Just like, just like, um, and just like Michigan State, like Michigan State's coach who's escaping me right now, Tom Izzo. Izzo, man, they're just rolling with Izzo uh, until until the end, and it's like you're just going to keep repeating the same process every single year and with no results. Where Kentucky football every year, I mean, there's sometimes we take a step back for the most part, though. It's constant progression. Every exactly. And you look, you look at the COVID year, like everyone brought up, like um, everyone goes, well, we forget that this UK football team went five and six in 20, uh, 2021. Yeah. They were missing half the team from COVID. One of their coaches died and they, you were playing ha- and you were playing a 10 game season of nothing but SEC, uh, SEC teams. Yeah. Yeah. The team was pretty banged up. And where you had other teams that chose not to play. The amount of times that UK this year had the option not to play a game and not forfeit, it just didn't count. Stoops still made them tie up the cleats and go out there and play and compete. And then you go through all that. Then you play a number 23 in the country, NC State, and kick their teeth in as a 5-6 and six team with half of your team. That's to me. That is just it shows again. While the record didn't show up for uh, for twenty twenty, it definitely showed. It definitely showed in the bowl game when you're playing a top twenty five team. Shows right. how how good that team actually was. And you bring up because even you look at the lifetime contract for Cal Perry, you can make an argument that Mark Stoops has a lifetime contract at Kentucky. The only difference is he has to keep winning. He gets add-ons to his on his contract for years, but he has to keep winning. There's still a stipulation of a continued realm of success. You win more games, you get more money. You just, if you've got just a flat rate, where's the motivation in it? What have you thought about? There's been some people on Twitter who've been making the comparisons to well, this is like Rupp versus. O- versus Brian 2.0. What's your thoughts on uh, on that idea? It's like, well, eventually one of the powerhouses have to leave for the rest of this to work. Oh, yeah, the uh, Rupp and Bear. Rupp and Bear, yeah, Bear, yeah, Rupp and Bears. I mean, uh, I if, if, if I have to choose a coach to piss, off and, uh, to piss off enough to leave, I'm choosing Cal Perry over Mark Stoops any day of the week. Right. Who's, who's made a bigger impact to UK, uh, to UK sports? Mark Stoops or Cal Perry? 
Mark Stoops has. There, there is, there is not even a debate on it. And the, also, and, the, and the question is, who do you go get if you're missing someone in, in basketball? It's like, well, what coach can you go get? Well, get someone who's able to win a first round game and doesn't have a nine and sixteen record. That's a pretty good. Uh, that's a pretty good start to it. Whatever this system is, is stalling and re, uh, and regret re- regressing. I'm not a basketball guy. You know, there'll probably be people tweeting at me saying that's a horrible. Uh, that's a horrible basketball take. No, I'm just ta- taking it from just a very simple perspective. It's like some of the most best uh, football uh, football things that I see or football uh, analogies I see is from my wife, who knows nothing about football. She just brings it up, and I just go, "That's actually that's actually really smart. That's a that's a really good point. It's it's an outside perspective on it." But and that's what I, that's what it's, I'm afraid of. Do you know how much UK basketball? Being a UK, being a quote unquote basketball school, is used against Coach Stoops and on the recruiting trail by all the coaches. How much? All of them. Yeah. All of them bring them up. Not re- <laughs> not recently, but what do you think was the first thing that happened as soon as that news came out? All of a sudden, Saban's on the phone. Kirby's on the phone. Drinkwitz, that dork at Mizzou, is on the phone. Satterfield and Winerville is on the phone. They're at that point. They're calling every single one of these recruits and saying, "You, you seeing this? You seeing all the disarray at Kentucky? Basketball team hates football. Football hates basketball. How in the world oh, do the, you want to go play there?" The Auburn coaches are taking pictures of each other, posting them like, "Hey, we're good." Oh uh, yeah, exactly. You're, you become a laughing stock. <laughs> Truly, everything. And again, that's the part that makes it even more infuriating. Everyone was fine. Kenneth Horsey was at SEC Media Day, uh, offensive lineman for Kentucky. And ask the exact same question. Is Kentucky now a football school? And guess what he said? No, we're an everything school because we're great at every sport and all the student athletes support each other. And Coach Cal goes, hold my beer because I want a new practice facility and just goes off and just spits out something without thinking. And now it's caused all of us to just be a laughing stock to the rest of uh, uh, to the rest of the college athletics. Well, like you said, I think something that's being missed on this whole thing too is everyone's pointing at well look kentucky football that's that you know these are our only two programs too but i mean the entire program since 2010 has been like elevated to a new level mm-hmm. we've got a volleyball national title we've got rifle national titles cheerleading cheerleading's kind of you know We'll keep been it through we'll- some stuff. Yeah, yeah. It's 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 been through its ups and downs over the last couple of years. Uh the baseball got a new baseball facility and you know, Kentucky has been competitive in that. And it's like, you know, it's but all these programs have had to earn their worth to get this stuff. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? And that's what I that's what it's it just doesn't come overnight. So Exactly. So I'm a so yeah, we don't need Mitch Barnhart to go anywhere because no. Yeah, now, was it, what, now was it the wisest thing to say that and then and go, oh, by the way, we're not going to serve alcohol at Kroger Field? And in the uh, in the conversation with that, probably one of the smartest thing. Probably, <laughs> probably would have saved that for a later date or for a tweet. Not for, <laughs> hey, everyone kiss and make up. Media, stop talking about this. Oh, by the way, we're not going to have alcohol this year. <laughs> Yeah, have that. Have pick your fights, man. Just no one, no one, no one, no one. You're ahead, and just stop. All I want, I just want a, I just want someone to make a gif of 
Cal Perry's face on the hot dog Jeff guy uh, meme of the guy going, we're all trying to find out the guy who did this. <laughs> if someone can do that, I will pay you. Oh, man, we've talked a lot about everything else going on outside of the of football, man. But let's get into it and talk about this Kentucky football season, man. So there's a lot of excitement around the program this year, despite what Cal may think. There, you know, there is a lot of excitement. A lot of changes have also happened, though. Uh, one of the big excitements, though, I think that's come out of nowhere has been Will Levis and all the hype around him. I, I think it's funny because after we did the um, the draft show earlier this year, we were talking, oh, who do we expect is going to be on the next level coming up here? We talked about Will Levis and a few other guys. But I didn't that but it was like literally like after we posted that show, we started seeing these way too early drafts that said, Will Levis, top ten pick. And I'm like, Oh. Okay. <laughs> it's like and not that I'm not excited about that. I'm not saying it's not earned, but it did kind of get me thinking, it's like, does that put a lot of pressure on this team to does I mean it puts a lot of pressure on Will for one, but it puts a lot of pressure on the team. And then obviously we just talked about how the fan base, how they can be. Um, what's your thoughts on the team expectations we'll talk about too, but particularly in regards to Will Levis's uh, draft stock right now, man, it's, it's great. I mean, it's absolutely nuts to think about because to me, I had to, I honestly had to go back. I had to go back and think when's the last time Kentucky has had this high of expectation. First of all, just to be ranked in the top 25. Like, I, I, I had myself emotionally prepared to just bite my lip and not worry about the, obviously, South Carolina and Missouri and Vanderbilt are all going to win the SEC East. It's going to be a trifecta tie for the SEC East, and Kentucky will, will go 0-57, as it seems to be every single year. At, even after a 10-win season, like, well, obviously they can't do that again, so we'll just mm-hmm. keep not ranking them. This is the first time Kentucky this offseason has gotten incredible respect. And listening to people, other teams talk about them at SEC Media Day, of not of a, hey, this is a team that's very physical. They're very big up front. They're a team that can manhandle you. It's Kentucky has some elite talent. Kentucky's able to do this. Kentucky's able to do that. The job that Mark Stoops does. Have you seen the new offensive coordinator they brought in? The defense is astounding. Brad White is a prodigy uh, of a defensive coach. Just all this stuff to where it's like, you're right. Kentucky's never been in a situation like this. They've never been in a situation ranked 20th in the country to where all of a sudden I'm counting a majority of their games, all of them right now besides one, which is against Georgia, well, they, they will be the hunted in this game. That someone will try to dethrone them during the, uh, during the season. Kentucky's never been in this situation before. So it's going to be interesting to see. I would argue years ago, Kentucky could not handle this pressure. Because we've seen it before. When they played against Texas A&M, ranked, I think they were ranked 19th in the country. They were either ranked 15th or 19th in the country. At College Station, first time, uh, first time since A and M had joined the SEC, and wasn't able to pull out that game. The, was, it, the, was that when we were ranked eighth in the country? Were we ranked eighth? 
We were pretty high. We're top 10. Okay. All right. Then, yeah, yeah, that was the game then. That was the game then. Um, Lose that game. All of a sudden, you're playing Georgia for the SEC East title to go play against Alabama when it was at two, uh, it was 2018. The scene in the arena was a little too big for Kentucky then. Fast forward to this uh, last season, playing against Georgia at Georgia. Now, grant, granted, Georgia was just playing Kirby Smart murder ball for the whole season, just steamrolling teams. That was another opportunity. You win that game, most likely you win the SEC East. And it, it was still a little too big of a scene for them, but improved based off of the season of 2018. Now you've got this kid named Will Levis. And this kid, this kid's got a, and I mean this in the most positive way possible, this kid's got a level of arrogance about him, a good cockiness that he's able to go out there and like, you know what? I am as good as everyone's saying I am. And I could show it. I can prove it. You've got guys like DeAndre Square that knows he's an elite linebacker in the SEC. you got running backs like Chris Rodriguez that knows that he's good. Kavase Smoke, who's gotten bigger, gotten stronger, gotten more physical. He's like, yeah, I can mow over guys. It doesn't matter if this is a rebuilding year for this offensive line. I could still mow through. I could still get four yards in a cloud of dust. Of all the teams that I had to pick that could be a dark horse, I'm not saying they're going to win the SEC East. I have actually chose that they uh, won't win the SEC East. But is this another team that could probably win 9-10 games? Absolutely, they're a- they would be able to. I know they have a lot of returners, like you were mentioned. We've talked about Cabasa Smoke, and we've talked about uh, Rodriguez, which helps them out. But also, Levis is going to be having a few other changes with a new offensive coordinator, He's missing weapons like Wandell and Ali. So what kind of impact do you think that's going to have? Honestly, I don't think it's going to have that big of an impact simply because that Will Levis was a they, – they now know what they want to run. They now know what's successful. So it's not coming in with a new pizzazzy offense that changes everything. You've got a you've got a offense of playmaker in Will Levis that's built around this offense – so why not keep uh, why not keep playing with him and play around him and give him the best um, give best things around him? So they went out and got uh, Coach Scangaro, um, which I think that's how you pronounce his name. It's a it's a it's a funky Italian name, which I like it. And listening to him talk, dude, it's I don't know what it is about Stoops getting these California guys um, with Liam Cohen. Liam Cohen was like the surfer style. Um, uh, surfer style, laid back, cool guy, cliche, cliche, cool coach, cliche, cool coach. And coach Gangero is very, I picture a higher class, fine wine drinking uh, guy from San Francisco, which he came from the 49ers, which he fits the mold perfectly when I hear him talk. But the guy is. He, just, he has that genius of Liam Cohen, but he's got the experience and he's got the football, a, I would argue, a larger football IQ from just the amount of experience that he's had in it, which is impeccable to have. So I'm, they've got all the right tools around Will Levis to put him in situations to be successful. 
Will Levis's probably number one target this year has not played a down of college football yet in a game. And that's Dane Keefe from Lexington from Frederick Douglass High School. That kid, I got to watch him throughout his whole high school career. That kid's special. Beyond special. He does things that I have ne- I've never seen a high schooler be able to do. I think that kid, you're going to miss Wandell as a slot receiver, but Dan Key is a deep ball threat. He could still run in the slot as well, meaning just quick little slant passes, little dump passes here and there to him. The kid's got a speed like no other dude's got a motor, and he's very mature from a football IQ level for being a true freshman. He's got. I've heard. He's got guys around him that it, it'll be stick, scary. May me not have the experience yet at Kentucky, but are scary. I've heard a lot about Dan Key, especially during his uh, Frederick Douglass times. I know his uh, brother is a big player at Bryan Station, then went to Western, and is now playing in the league too. So. Correct. Yeah, man. I'm uh, excited to see what Dane Key can do uh, in helping Will Levis. Probably after a few games, he'll get that down the road. Something I didn't even think about, but another part that he will be missing for at least a couple games is uh, Chris Rodriguez mm-hmm. being suspended. What impact do you think that's going to have, especially because one of those games is going to be Florida, which is going to be a, a huge challenge without C-Rod? That one will be a challenge. But I, I feel like Smoke and McClain are going to be up to the challenge. McClain impressed me, man. Once he got in midseason form, it looked like he bulked up during the season. It looked like he got bigger, got more physical. He's very he's, – his eye discipline and his eye discipline and um, uh, inside zone and outside zone run plays is amazing. And a lot of people don't see it in during a game. They have a running back is supposed to watch the, the tail end of the center and the tail end of the play side tackle. And depending on what their hips do, that's telling you where the hole is going to open up. And a lot of running backs don't have the patience to wait for the offensive line to signal that. He is able to, though. And there was times he made some massive gashes, and Cavassier smoke as well, gashes in defenses because of his patience in the run game of not hitting full uh, full speed, not going to sprint mode, letting the play play out, letting the offensive line get set up, and then just going and just killing it. You're going to miss Chris Rodriguez. There is no doubt about that. But you got two guys behind him that can really make an impact. That makes me less worried, especially for that Florida game. So sounds so it sounds like we are going to be a little still set up here, and I'm sure Smoke being, you know, having all that time behind C-Rod and being there, he's going to be a huge part of it. And, you know, I wanted to ask you as we get close to the season here and we start kind of diving into the schedule, with the exception of maybe Will Levis, who do you think is going to be the breakout star of this Kentucky team this season? That's not Will Levis. That's not Will Levis. I'm going to go with a tradition that keeps on keeps on going, and that's going to be um, John Co- Eli Cox at um, center. Another guy that right. played as a guard who's being converted over to a center. 
Kentucky's had a lot of success with that. Look, look at Luke Fortner. Look at John Toth transferring from tackle to center. A uh, bunch of Stallings transferred over from guard to center. He, I, I love the way he plays. His season was cut short last year, but the way that he's been that vocal leader in the uh, vocal leader in the huddle, the way that he's been a just a staple and a constant for a very young offensive line. And the kid's got a nasty streak in him that you didn't get to see a lot of, but the kid's got a nasty streak. And when you've got a young, a lot, bunch of young pups around that need to learn how to show their teeth, he's a great one to have commanding and calling out, uh, calling out plays uh, to the offensive line. So he's he's gonna he's gonna be my uh, my impact player this year. All right, man. Well, man. We've gotten to talk a lot about this team so far. Uh, let's. I want to dive into the schedule here too, and kind of talk about that. So, looking at the schedule, what are some games that kind of concern you? Is it Florida without without Rodriguez? Is it that Georgia at home? Is it ten, at Tennessee? Uh, what's your What's your uh, feelings towards the schedule? The swamp at night is always a, is always a hard hard place to play. Um, September 10th, so you're going to have a Gainesville heat regardless at 7 o'clock. It's going to be a little toasty. You're going to have a fan base that's re-energized by their new coach. That one spooks me a little bit. But again, they've also had a bunch of transfers. It's a rebuilding year. They're getting used to a new system. That one doesn't concern me as much as, as Ole Miss does. Down in Oxford. Kentucky has not played in Oxford. Correct me if I'm wrong. They have not played down in Oxford since 2011, I believe. It's your 2010 or 2011. And yeah, because I, I, that was the last time I think I was there, I think. Or I, I may not even travel that game. But Lane Kiffin is always, always a X Factor. And a huge variable of his abilities going fourth down, his um, uh, his overall scheme, and then as always, Tennessee. What Holtel's done down there, and I hate, I hate to admit it, because he came from UCF, which I hate them. I hate Tennessee, but he is with that. I mean, what he's doing with that offense is is unbelievable. Like it, it, it's truly unbelievable. Those are my three games that have my little has my little red flag popping up, and then Georgia. I mean, that's it's Georgia. Keep keep it close and get yourself in a situation to where you can maybe win the game in, in the fourth quarter. But you've got to start out strong in that one. So, are you projecting eight and four? Then probably. No, I'm gonna go. He's going to come back and bite me. I hate doing because I I've always said eight and four, and they always go either nine and three or ten and uh, nine and three that year. Um, I'm going to be bold. I think they they will go nine and three. I think you I think you drop Ole Miss, you drop Tennessee, and you drop Georgia. I see. Uh, this schedule is so dicey because. Yeah. It's in our favor with a lot of home games, but with some big away games. 
plus that Georgia game, which you know the Georgia Georgia is Georgia. So I in a in a you know there's a, a half of me that's like, man, we could get another ten win season, no problem with this schedule. And then there's this other half that's like. Oh, we could. We could go seventy-five. <laughs> five, yeah, that's what I was saying here. With Old Miss, with Florida, heck, Mississippi State, man, who knows what could happen with Mississippi State? Now, with us, something to remember: since two thousand sixteen, since two thousand or since two thousand fifteen, who's ever played at the away place, the home team has won. The home team has always won this game. For the past oh. since 2015. Okay, so that works in our yes. favor then. So a bunch of assholes are going to show up with bells they, though. And they always do. Like they always do. <laughs> make way, make way for the pirate coming down. Oh boy. What about Louisville, man? I've I don't I haven't heard a lot out of their camp how they're supposed to be. Cunningham. I I feel like a lot of people have cooled off on him. Some people are still hyped about him as a you know, a next great Louisville quarterback like uh, Jackson and like Bridgewater, but then some people have kind of cooled off on him. What do you think about Louisville, though? Louisville's Louisville, dude. And the Louisville yeah. fans do the same thing every single year. Kentucky's trash. This team's going to win the ACC. L's up, yada, yada, yada. Go through the season, get into a train, just absolute train wreck, beat them by 35 points. They go, well, you all still suck and all that. And recent history – and all that. Satterfield will be fired by the end of the year. Louisville will be in complete disarray. And it'll be business as usual down there. Well, I have to say, not that I'm a big Louisville fan, but if I had to say I'm more excited about a basketball team than a football team, it's probably them because I'm a big Kenny Payne fan. So. I, I, I'm yeah, still I'm trying just... to find something to hate about Kenny Payne, but I love Kenny Payne so much. <laughs> Also, I just pulled up Louisville's schedule just to compare, and oh my God, they are going to run get run through the ringer. It looks like because they play uh, us. They play us at home. They play Cle- or they play Kentucky at Kentucky. They play Clemson at Clemson. They're playing NC State, who's supposed to be a big powerhouse. They've got Pittsburgh. I mean, yeah, I mean they're they could go. So they could go six and six this season, possibly. Dude, when you've got when you have to sell when you've got to sell your tickets, your season tickets at uh, Thornton's, that's when you know you have an issue. University of Louisville uh, football schedule. Um, well, we can't forget about the September 9th game where they play former national champs UCF at UCF. That's true. Oh, yeah, and they upset oh. they they beat the national champion last year. Yeah, but at Syracuse, oh, at UCF, Boston College, man, that now they they do have Pittsburgh and Wake Forest. They'll have a whopping two hundred twenty three fans at those games. Come yeah. out, can you imagine? <laughs> <laughs> Good luck, Louisville. Yeah. Good luck. I I can't wait to watch. Uh, Levis throw four or five more touchdowns on you guys and just keep owning you. Nah, I'd rather him just run him, uh, run him in like he did last time. Just run for four rushing touchdowns. <laughs> well, Max, is there any other things you want to, any other caveats you want to put on this season before we get started here? It's going to be a blast. Make sure if you can go to, uh, go to some of these games at Kroger field. Cause the atmosphere there now is just absolutely, I mean, you were at the, 
Florida game last year. That's how all the games were, man. I mean, the the atmosphere was just incredible. Props to the marketing team and props to the game day teams um, for Kentucky that made that possible. Go if you if you can financially afford it, you got the time to go out and do it. Go to uh, go to some of these games this year because the energy is just amazing. I feel like we've brought some negative morale talking about maybe some of the bad stuff that happened this season. And then we even brought up Louisville. So a lot of negative energy on this show, but I do like to end some stuff with and on a positive note. And as you know, from our last time, one thing that I try to talk about more and more is gratitude on the show and try to cultivate that attitude of gratitude. And normally I ask my guests, three things they're grateful for. Obviously you were on not too long ago and you gave a, a phenomenal answer. So inst- instead of rehashing that, I just like to ask you, is there something maybe you've had recently that you're super grateful for in your life? I mean, I, every single, every single day I get to come home to a great family. I've got, I mean, sorry, Catherine, I have the best wife in the world. I've got <laughs> uh, the best son, uh, son in the world. I've got, Greatest dog in the world. I'm reminded constantly we've we've made a m- much more of an intention to spend time with family and extended family as well. And during those times, dude, it's uh, family is so so important. And if you've got the ability to be around family, especially multi generations of family, take the time to do it. Um, it's been a conscious effort for us to do more. We've always been a close family, but a conscious effort um, this year to be around uh, family more and do more family outings and Sunday dinners and Saturday night dinners, whatever it is. And family is just absolutely critical, absolutely crucial, and it's so rewarding. So take the time to have an old-fashioned weekend or Sunday dinner with, uh, with family. Awesome, man. Hey, like Vin Diesel, man, it's all about family. (laughs) Well, Max, you got a lot going on this season. We're going to be hearing your voice a lot. So can you tell my listeners where you're going to be, uh, where you're going to be at, where they can listen to you this season and where they can follow you? Um, You'll see me sparingly doing uh, Glycod with uh, high school football within the state of Kentucky, doing color commentary. Uh, We'll be doing a, PA announcing up at uh, at LexCath. Um, be on um, uh, 102.1 WNSP uh, in Birmingham on Saturdays for SEC Tailgater, uh, giving the Kentucky insights for the week. Um, after the UK games, uh, tune in to 590 WVLK or 97.3 FM WVLK for your first hearing and first post-game reactions to each and every game. And then I think I'll be on a few Sunday things with Round of Shots and um, some other um, radio shows as well. And then you can follow me on Twitter at OhMyGodB64. Awesome, man. Well, brother, it's been a long hibernation, but football is finally back, man, and I can't wait. We're back, baby. We're back. We're back, baby. We're back, baby. (laughs) All right, man. Well, we're going to get the season started, man. Miami of Ohio, we've got you coming. Good luck to you, boys, and we'll see you guys on the next episode of Friends in the Corner Podcast. Go Cats!